don't give it like a the podcast platform of the Phenomenalist by Leopold Lambert. Today, claiming humanity, a black critic of the concept of bare life, with Alexander Wehely. Hello everyone, today my guest is Alexander Wehelier, uh, who is a, a teach, is an associate professor of African American studies at uh, Northwestern University in uh, the north of Chicago. Uh, he's the author of a book called Phonographies, Grooves in Sonic Afro-Modernity, and uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit later today. Um, but uh, before all, uh, uh, hello Alexander. Hello, how are you? Good, thank you. Uh, and um, maybe to begin this conversation, would you mind telling us what your research is uh, currently about? Okay, um, happily. <laughs> so I just finished a book um, that's coming out, should be coming out next month in um, August, and it's called Habeas Viscous, Racializing Assemblages, Biopolitics, and Black Feminist Theories of the Human. And that book is, on the one hand, a critique of what I call biopolitics and bare life discourse, and more specifically, the work of um, Giorgio Gambin and Michel Foucault, um, on the one hand. And then on the other hand, it uses um, black feminist theorists, Hortense Spillers and Sylvia Winter, to think about some of the um, same questions that Foucault and Agamben have, um, have raised but from the perspective of um, um, black um, um, feminism. And um, beyond the brilliance of the work of um, Spillers and, um, and Winter, I thought that it was necessary because uh, neither Agamben nor Foucault, even though they're writing around it and they use the terminology, actually really theorize and think about race, what race is and what racism, um, um, what, what racism um, um, is. So it sort of remains suspended in this um, bubble where it doesn't really have to be explained. And my point is that um, thinkers such as um, Winter and Spillers, but also others, um, Glissant, Fanon, um, W.B. Du Bois, etc., and so on, actually provide much of the same language, but highlight questions of race, gender, and um, 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 sexuality, and also embodiment, right? Um, how is a category such as bare life embodied and lived, right? Which is something that neither, um, that, that Agamben is not very, um, I'm very, very interested in. So I finished that, and then I'm kind of returning to um, questions of um, black culture and music and technology, as in phonographies, and working now on, on um, one project about um, <clears throat> the history of R&B or soul music since the late 1980s and thinking about the way that different technologies, both technologies as gadgets but also as forms of knowledge, um, have been used in, um, um, in, in, in R&B because R&B music, um, as opposed to hip-hop or even electronic dance music, um, is very much under-discussed in, 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 in the um, critical literature. And then I also have a project that I've sort of been working on that is that is more archival, which is a um, project that discusses um, 
um, Walter Benjamin, German thinker um, Walter Benjamin and, um, and, and W.B. Du Bois, and sort of thinks about their theories of civilization. So, um, yeah, that's... Great. Well, I mean, and that very much set up their, their way, the conversation. We're going to try to have this conversation uh, starting with this uh, critique of... Um, uh, critique of um, the philosophy of uh, Agamben and, and um, trying to see uh, uh, how how to uh, how to build upon it and and then and then uh, this uh, second part about about their uh, um, uh, technology and, and music and and uh, so to really jump into the topic uh, I, I think that one of the way you approach um, questions about uh, humanity in particular is to take advantage of the current research that is being done around uh, what we call post-humanity mm-hmm. and uh, it's, uh, it's interesting to see that uh, by by thinking of post-humanity we are forced to think of what is humanity mm-hmm. to begin with and uh, one of the remarks that you're making is that uh, we are rethinking of, of humanity thanks to post-humanity but not so much in terms of race, and it seems to be seems to be completely forgotten from from the debate, um, and so and um, and so in your in your research about um, about uh, what what maybe humanity uh, consisted of, you look in particular of um, the suffering in humanity, and I think you have a you have a critique of. Uh, Either ex- exceptionalism mm-hmm. or uh, par- particularism. That, yeah, uh, could you tell us more about that? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm going to back up a little bit. I sure. mean, one, one of the things that happens with post-humanity, and I would say even earlier, if you think about the discourses of anti-humanism um, that comes up in um, late 1960s France, for instance, right? What is then known as post-structuralism, or even earlier in structuralism, that there's this idea that we need to leave a certain notion of humanity and humanism behind, right? Um, and in that moment, what really doesn't get um, um, doesn't doesn't get discussed or um, um, or theorized is that that version of humanism and humanity is a very very particular one, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I think that this becomes much much more explicit in um, um, in, in theories of posthumanism where there's this idea, okay, now we've entered this post, post-human stage where we are not in control of ourselves, right? We are not liberal humanist subjects that own ourselves, right? I mean, this is sort of the basic definition of, um, of, 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 of the human in, um, um, in, 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 in liberalism, that own ourselves, are in control of our faculties, that can think, right? That can think abstractly um, um, and, 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 and so on. And my fundamental question has been for, um, um, for a while, what happens if we don't um, begin with that version of humanity, but begin with a version of humanity that is not in control of itself, right? Um, the slave subject, right? Or the colonized subject, et cetera, and, um, um, and, and, and so on. And then you get a very, very different idea of what it m- might mean to claim the category of the human. Right? And I think oftentimes the way that, um, let's say, a thinker like Fanon 
is read in his invocation of humanism is that it's a um, sort of um, very, very simple appropriation of humanist discourses, or Césaire would be another, um, um, another early, um, um, early example. But I think what we're missing there is the moment that you know, someone such as Fanon or Césaire claims the human, the category has to change, right? Because they're not speaking from the vantage point of being liberal, um, 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 li- liberal um, 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 subjects. And it's, not the, it's not the humans that Foucault declared death, dead. No, yeah. no, no. And I mean, you know, they, Foucault is able to write um, the order of things, right, mm-hmm. um, without necessarily ever considering colonialism, mm-hmm. right, in, 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 in the way not only that colonialism shaped Europe, but shaped the very idea of what it means to be human in that, um, in that context. And very often those ideas of what it means to be human, the liberal humanist subject, are always set off against, you know, the woman, the slave, um, um, the, um, um, the colonized subjects. Those are all the ones that can't have access to that, um, 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 to that category. So they're very much coterminous. But I, I feel that in, in contemporary critical discourse that oftentimes that sort of fallacy is being repeated again and again. So that was really my, um, um, my, 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 my starting point. And, you know, to make a very, very long and complicated um, sort of dis, um, 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 debate um, 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 to bring that to, um, um, to a head, mm-hmm. when I initially read Agamben's work, my first question was, what would happen if we would start the category of the homo soccer, right, if we would think about that in relation to racial slavery and not in the way that Agamben does in relationship to the Holocaust, not by replacing one the other, but it was just a thought process of how would his theory have to change, right, where the Holocaust provides, in a, in a certain way, it provides a kind of neat conceptual apparatus because you can historically contain it, even though it's actually not containable, because it happened during 12 years in the center of Europe. Whereas if you, if you look at racial slavery, you would have to look at 500 years, what happened there. And this is what I mean by the kind of exceptionalism that, that especially um, um, Agamben traffics in, is that he sort of, um, in order to make the Holocaust this sort of complete aberration and new thing within um, within Western um, um, Western history and um, um, discourses, he kind of has to neglect this sort of large chunk of history, right? And the very basic things that led to the killing camps, um, the death camps of the of the Holocaust, were first used nascently in many different contexts, right? In in the German colonies in Southwest Africa, but also during Indian removal in the United States. So, I mean, there, there's this kind of um, larger sphere that really gets pushed to the um, 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 pushed pushed to the side. And that then allows someone such as um, Agamben to kind of make the sort of grand arguments that he um, 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 that, 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 that he makes, right? So it's not necessarily so much a fundamental disagreement with Agamben, but really trying to resituate it mm-hmm. um, and really think about what happens if we don't think about the Holocaust as this sort of delimited extreme moment, but in the kind of historical entanglements, right? What Edward Lisson would call as this moment of relation, of relation to racial slavery, right? Um, and there are many sort of historical 
convergences between those things, um, thinking about, for instance, um, the Jim Crow laws in the United States and then the Nuremberg laws in Germany. There's a clear connection there, right? And then you could also go to South Africa and, and, and the, the, the apartheid laws, the history of eugenics in the United States, and, um, um, and, and so on. That doesn't mean that they're the same, but that they're part of the sort of historical... I guess um, ocean, right? If you, um, 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 if 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 you will, and and that is really what interested me. Um, um, what what interested me the most, just in terms of the historical and, and conceptual aspects, um, and it's similar to Foucault, right? Um, that the only way that he can kind of claim that biopolitical racism is something new is by neglecting colonialism. Right mm-hmm. by really removing that from um, 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 completely from um, um, from 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 view, and, um, and and it's not only the removing the colonialism from view, but then sort of again leading to this idea that regular ethnic racism is something that's natural. Right, biopolitical racism is something different because it's racism between different <clears throat> autochthonous groups. In, um, 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 in in Europe, whereas the racism against, you know, say someone um, um, in North or, or West Africa by a European subject is not really something that needs to be um, 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 that, 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 that needs to be explored. And then what that really leads to, this is the second part of the critique, is sort of the way that um, critical theory gets canonized in the U.S. Academy is in this very Europhilic way. Right, um, in that you know the um, um, the um, 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 folks such as Foucault, Agamben, and you know earlier Derrida, Deleuze, etc., and um, so on, Antonio Negri, etc., and so on, that they sort of get to occupy the space of the great thinkers, right? Um, because they never speak from a marked position, right? As opposed to a black feminist perspective that is that is always already um, marked, and and my point with that is is that the kind of reception of folks such as Agamben and Foucault and and Negri kind of allows people in the United States to maintain a racial innocence or denial, neglect, right, as it has sort of existed in in Western Europe with a few um, um, exceptions, right? Um, That there's still this idea that, and, and I... I use one of the, uh, a phrase from, from, from Foucault to kind of highlight this, is that ethnic racism takes place someplace else, right? It's a problem of the United States, it's a problem of Great Britain, et cetera, and so on. And it's the same thing in Germany, it's even more extreme in Italy, right, without going into the different hierarchies. But nevertheless, they're, they're, and, and I think that this is kind of, this is reflected, A, in the thinking of folks such as um, Agamben and Foucault, but it's also reflected in, in the sort of institutional politics, right? And and um, and I remember when Agamben and, and and the idea of bare life first, and and even Foucault's uh, notion of biopolitics, were first translated into English, and people were starting reading them. There seemed to be sort of this this um, um, this idea: oh, now Foucault and Agamben have spoken about racism. We don't really need to read black people or people of color anymore, right? And I'm I'm being mildly facetious, but only mildly facetious. I mean, people would actually say things that were um, um, along those um, um, along those lines and um, so for me it's just about pointing out those gaps right and really resituating um, um, Agamben and Foucault and kind of also placing them in this context of where 
a lot of um, um, Western European countries, the public discourse sort of maintains this kind of racial innocence, right? Um, and, and I think that the two um, um, can't really be um, um, separated. That if you think about, for instance, the French um, case, the Surrealist or Sartre, right? That there was a very, very clear engagement with thinkers and um, activists from the colonies, right? From the um, um, from from the um, um, what is it? The Outer Seas Territories, Territoire Outre-mer. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Um, I don't know what the exact translation is. Yeah. In a way that it really disappears um, post 1960s. I mean, there are a few exceptions, um, but nevertheless, there there is sort of this. European whitening of what the thinking, um, um, what 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 the um, um, what 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 the thinking um, um, is. So, mm. um, so uh, this introduction being made, let's let's um, uh, let's uh, look at at this um, at this concept of of uh, humanity and how it's being either attributed or claimed or and. There's one thing that you wrote in the articles that you were kind enough to send me, is um, um, how humanity is sometimes retroactively attributed. I mean, that's not how you present it, but that's how I read it. In in how, in precisely in what I was introducing earlier, which is the suffering, mm -hmm. and so retroactively, as uh, victims are being attributed. Uh, 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 the status of humanity. So mm -hmm. um, that's uh, that's uh, that's something that, as well, that um, will be discussed in a very different context in a forthcoming podcast with uh, Miriam Tiktin about uh, about uh, migrant rights, and uh, it'd be interesting to make the bridge uh, in advance. Um, but so, could, could you could you tell us more about that about this this notion of of suffering and everything that's problematic about about what goes what goes with it mm -hmm. and and i think you know again they're not the same but there's very um there's there's a very clear connection in terms of what you were saying about um, um about migrant rights right um that usually the logic that happens is that minoritized subjugated oppressed um uh, groups groups that are in under genocidal conditions the main way that they can make claims on state entities in the West um, or non-state entities, you know, such as the various um, groupings of the United um, or the various offices of the United Nations, is by claiming injury, right? By claiming, um, um, claiming, claiming suffering. And that sort of then allows them, at least nominally on paper, to be recognized, right, by the state, by, give, by being given full citizenship rights, or by the UN, by being recognized as proper refugees, right, mm -hmm. as opposed to only economic migrants, um, and that that's the main way that certain groups have, um, um, have, have, have gained um, access. And in the book, the way that I talk about it is, is through the, um, the um, habeas corpus. That's why the title habeas viscus, to sort of think about a different way of inhabiting that, um, 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 that space. But what often happens, just very basically on the ground, is that the bequeathing of humanity doesn't actually occur, right? Um, it's sort of just this, um, 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 this, this, um, um, this, this, this placeholder, right? And secondly, that oftentimes the violence that the state and the non-state entities um, um, subject um, folks to 
is much more extreme than the violence that they might have um, um, that, that, that they might have um, um, encountered, right? And um, so I, I think that there's, I really want us to find a different way to make claims to humanity that are not based on this sort of um, legalism, right? Um, that, you know, if you have um, these states that are basically built on colonialism, slavery, genocide, etc., and so on, it seems somewhat contradictory to then expect that state to give one the humanity. And I'm not saying that it's sometimes not necessary, just as a... Um, 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 as, as a um, local or even super local um, um, organizing principle, but it should never be the only um, 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 the, the, the only path because usually one has to pay a certain price right for for the um, um, entry and you know in, in, in my thinking with um, um, especially with with black culture and this is also why a lot of the discourses around um, the post-human and, um, um, and, and, and humanism um, contemporary are somewhat problematic is that there's this, this assumption if you get full citizenship rights then you are fully human and my argument is that black people are not fully human mm-hmm. right I mean black people can be killed at will by the US state and by many uh, um, other um, um, other states we live in a space where there are millions of black people who are um, um, imprisoned for the right and the um, um, and, 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 and the wrong reasons, etc., and so on, and it, it hasn't really, the, the legal mechanism of full citizenship rights, of rec- the recognition of the suffering, hasn't really in any way uh, mitigated the actual suffering, right? It's just migrated onto different, um, 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 on, on, onto different, um, d- different paths. And, um, and, and recently there, there, there have been a few people who, um, have c- critiqued a sort of global human rights discourse, right? And how, and the other thing is also only certain kinds of suffering are acknowledged, right? Um, that for a very long time and still, um, now, um, what doesn't get acknowledged, for instance, is sexual violence, right? Um, primarily against um, female-bodied um, 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 folks, but also um, um, against men, right? And that one has to um, present one's suffering and oneself in a certain way in order to be um, um, in order to be recognized. That you already have to be respectable, right? That if you're a um, transgender um, street worker, right, from um, a country from the uh, from from the global south the chances that your suffering will be recognized are much less than if you are a doctor or a lawyer, right, from the, um, um, from, from the um, um, same um, um, context. And, and, and I think, you know, again, this idea of the human is very much encoded um, um, in that. And just to give you a historical example... W.E.B. Du Bois and several other people, William Patterson, um, in the late 1940s, um, tried to petition the United Nations when the um, Declaration of Human Rights was being, um, was being crafted to include the black population in the United States in that Declaration of, of, of Human Rights and to have um, lynching, right, um, Jim Crow, sharecropping, etc., and so on be recognized as a form of genocide. And of course that was shot down, right? Because that would be admitting that the problem is not only those bad third world countries, right? But that the problem is within the system, um, within the system um, um, itself. And so far as I know, 
there are hardly any groups within Western nations that have been able to kind of cl- make that kind of um, claim to the United Nations, right? So that there are all these preconditions that one has to fulfill in order to be recognized, mm-hmm. right? And, and in order for one's suffering to be recognized. Um, well, that drives us uh, pretty close from... Um from back to Agamben and the, the, this uh, concept of bare life that he uh, that he constructs in his uh, almost like a uh, series of books and um, and, uh, and and in the historical examples that he takes uh, the, the Holocaust um, this bare life is is embodied by the the Musulman and uh, and you so you you talk about the the Musulman and uh, and um, You will correct me if you think I'm I'm misreading what you're what you wrote, but in my understanding, you think that Agamben essentialized the Muslim man, whereas whereas we should probably have a sort of uh, 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 I don't know gradient is there is a right uh, is a right word, but maybe a ter- in terms we should look at it in terms of degrees rather than in terms of essence, and um, and uh, so. Yeah, I think well, may- maybe maybe I should I should leave it to you here. But there there is m- there's more to it after that in uh, in another paper that you wrote, but that very much goes back to the same questions and um, and this time not using the concept of um, not the concept, but the the, the rhetoric of of Musulman, uh, that was used to to, to, to talk about the, the weakest of, of their the weakest of their Holocaust. Uh, uh, Detainees in their extermin- Nazi extermin- extermination camps, um, and uh, but yeah, we'll 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 talk about it right after that. So, um, could you tell us more about this? Yeah, I mean, um, it has to be essentializing because for um, Agamben, the Musulman is this absolute limit figure, right? I mean, that he calls it the absolute biopolitical substance, right? And and the irony for me is, of course, he says that this is the moment where there's no more cisures, where there, where racial categorization is not possible, right? And even though the Muslimen were not all Jewish, right, many of them were. And initially, when I read it, it was just one of those things, again, where I just started thinking, I, I started thinking about the very name. I mean, why they, were they called Muslimen, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Muslim. Muslim, yeah. right? Um, although, I mean, it's it's a little bit more complicated okay. than that, right? I mean, then it it named um, it named Muslim, yeah. right? And I mean, in French, it's it's basically the same, yeah. um, the same term. But, um, yeah, but uh, um, it actually changed after after the Third Reich in, in, in Germany. And it was um, actually declared... One could claim injury in, before a German court if one was called um, 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 that. And the more um, common term is Musulmana, not Musulmena. So this is, at this point, really a term that's specific to, to the camps. But nevertheless, it designates Muslim. And I, I, my question was just, why did these um, um, people who were the weakest, right, um, the least closest to what we would consider a full human and, um, um, and subject, were called that? And Agamemnon really doesn't reflect on that, right? I mean, he sort of gives a theological explanation of why they were called um, 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 Muslimer, but I was really more interested in terms of how, in the uh, interaction um, with the other um, inmates in the um, um, in the camps, they came to um, 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 figure as that, and also to think about how 
being termed um, Muslimener is in and of itself also a form of racial categorization, right? And um, and one of the things that I did is go back to the, um, um, there are not that many primary sources, but sources, um, there were these two Polish sociologists that did a series of um, interviews in the late 1970s and that Agamben um, um, draws on to look at, um, because Agamben also has a tendency just to make things up. I mean, there's no way. He, he just literally, he will change, you know, with Avata Benjamin, he will literally just change the text if it doesn't suit his interpretation. Um, so I went back, I read them, and it seemed to me there was a lot of horror, but what Agamben really doesn't um, um, get to is this kind of um, just such a strong drive for wanting to survive, right? That, yes, they might have been weak, but the way that he describes them are the, as these apathetic figures, and when um, the Muslim, um, the folks who had been Muslimenor themselves and who had witnessed the Muslimenor in, um, um, in the camps, when they, um, um, when, when they talk about it, it's a much more, as you said, gradient, I would say layered, right, um, way that they, um, um, that they talk about, right? Um, I don't think I go into great um, lengths about that, that aspect, um, but it's in the, um, um, in, 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 in the book, that they talk about their dreams, their hopes, desires, that they have these very intense memories 40 years after it happened, how they felt, right? And there was this one moment at the end of the book where um, Agamemnon writes about the Muslim most extensively, Remnants of Auschwitz, he prints the um, the testimonies from taken from the um, the study of the two opposed sociologists um, without any commentary right and there was this one moment where he leaves out a few words and I thought that that was really telling and it was this um, it was a former Muslim I'm forgetting the name now but he says I had this incredibly strange and sweet feeling right not um, not it, it's not even strange pleasant angenehm is the German word. I don't know what the Polish word is. There are lots of layers of translation. <laughs> and Agamben takes out the pleasant. And that, for me, again, was just, how would you... How do you get to that point when you're so close to death, right? Um, when everything that is thought um, um, to um, be human about you has been taken away, right, by, by sheer um, violence. Um, how does that constitute something pleasant and and that's what really sent me on that um, 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 on, on that journey to really think about being Musulman a as um, um, as, as, as something political right and there are certain um, um, writers who, who study um, um, study this who also think about being Musulman not only as something being done to someone but as a form of resistance as a withdrawal right this is this is perhaps one of the only um, um, things that, um, 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 that, that those folks had control over right uh, meaning that they denied themselves the food etc and, um, um, and 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 um, 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 so on. But really, again, to not think about this as this kind of um, abstract, Jesus-like um, 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 figure, the Musulman, but as actual living, breathing beings, right? And I think that that's really something that very often disappears in, um, um, in, 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 in Agamben. It's sort of, for him, the Musulman and the Homo Sacer is a figure that shows us something. And for me, it was really important to think about in this context, but also with C.L.R. James and with um, um, with 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 um, certain slave testimonies, 
um, as you know, layered and as um, shrouded and veiled as those testimonies may be, what actually happens in that space, right? That he calls bare life or the zone of um, um, in, 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 in distinction, and how people perceived of themselves in in those um, um, moments. Not because that's more correct, but in many ways, for me, it's actually it's much more interesting, right? Because there's actually something happening there. And we can learn something from that, right? Um, and that really disappears in 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 um, um, in in in, 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 in Agamemnon's world, worldview. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you just evoked C. Alert, C. L. R. James, who's uh, this uh, great uh, Caribbean uh, uh, writer, and uh, <coughs> precisely he helps us to think of it in terms of uh, layer, I suppose, mm-hmm. to, to use your own terminology. Uh, when he was, uh, you're, you're quoting him when he was uh, uh, held uh, in- incarcerated for four months on Ellis Island. Mm-hmm. Uh, could, could you tell us maybe a little bit of the context of this uh, of this detention and uh, and um, what makes him reflect as well on this mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. this uh, 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 <coughs> Muslim conditions mm-hmm. that he, mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. thought he was. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say he was necessarily in a Muslim like condition, well, right? Um, but, but I mean, bear, yeah, but but sort of bare life like, right? Um, I mean, CLR James had a very, very long and storied um, life, but this was the um, um, when he was in the United States from the, um, I believe it was from the 1940s onward. And he initially was a um, Trotskyist, but he broke with, um, um, even with Trotsky, and he founded his own, um, the force, the Johnson Force Tendency sort of own stream of um, Marxist thought and, um, um, and organizing. And he was held on Ellis Island. Um, this was in the moment of McCarthyism, right? Um, and was to be extradited from the, um, um, from, from the United States because he wasn't a citizen. And I think he was here without a visa for over 10 years in the, in the United States. So what happens to him there is he writes this book, which is basically a study, a political Marxist reading of... Um, Herman Melville's Moby Dick, right? And um, then he appends to that a, um, an autobiographical account of his time on Ellis Island. And he, he wrote this and pr- had it printed himself and then submitted this to the court. So this was testimony. Um, clearly, it was ignored. <laughs> But for him, um, it was um, um, it was it was it was testimony, right? Um, um, partially, he wrote about Melville in order to show that you know he knew something about American culture, and he was always um, a, a big defender of popular culture and of American culture, where a lot of other Marxists in that moment just thought it was garbage, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to put it um, um, somewhat um, um, extremely, and um, and and in that um, testimony in the in the last um, 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 chapter. He talks about the inhumane conditions, and what linked it to me to the um, um, to the Muslim was this um, the idea of food, right? Um, because for the Muslim their whole world revolved around food, right? Getting scraps of food, dreaming about food, um, talking about food, and um, with James, um, it's 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 slightly different because he has he has an ulcer, but he can't um, um, literally digest the food in the um, in, 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 in Ellis Island, so he becomes very very um, sick, 
And because he's CLR James, he reflects on it in a political fashion, right? In a way that the Muslimer did not really have the opportunity. And not only thinking about it as it being simply bad food, but something being done to his body, right? Um, and, and he sort of thinks about it in relation, right, to use Glissant's uh, term, um, to what happened in the gulags and in the um, camps without ever in one moment saying, this is the same, mm-hmm. right? But that there's a kind of continuum there in the way that um, food and, um, 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 and sustenance and the lack there, um, 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 thereof are used politically, mm-hmm. right? And, and also... You, you used the, the term earlier, the phrase earlier, it's in the same ocean. I think it's perfect. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. So, so that's what... Yeah. Song, <laughs> yes. So. Um, so that, that's what interested me, um, what, what interested me um, um, about, um, 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 about those um, moments. And again, it's glissant... Um, sorry, it's it's um, um, it's James um, in that moment, in the same way that the Muslim men are retroactively um, um, reflecting on their moment, where he sort of finds a an opening in order to use what is being done to him in order to create something else, right? To draw attention to it, but also to create a space in which he's not only being acted um, 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 upon, and um, in the book. Another example that I look at in that um, um, in that chapter is um, Harriet Jacobs' slave narrative, where she was in this tiny garret, which was probably as big as this table. It's pretty small. <laughs> it was really small for, the for seven years. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I forgot the dimensions. It was really tiny, and she did that in order to hide from her master, but at the same time, in order to be able to. Um, but still be able to see her children. So she was hiding basically just out of sight of the slave master who was constantly um, um, threatening her with um, 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 sexual um, 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 violence. And she, she sort of uses this moment of um, this long uh, moment of imprisonment in order to actually create something else, right? In order to have some semblancy of control. I'm trying to avoid agency and resistance because... Yeah. <laughs> for reasons. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, that's that's perfect to actually transition to uh, 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 what I su- suppose is in the same book, but mm-hmm. that for me is in two different articles, mm-hmm. uh, uh, which is uh, which is looking in particular at slavery as as being um, operating through similar mechanisms for part of it than uh, than the humanity described by uh, uh, um, Agamben in the, during the Holocaust, but uh, for also evolves according to very different narratives. And in order to describe that, you are uh, turning no longer to, some, to, the bare, to the concept of bare life, but to a concept elaborated by uh, uh, Horton's uh, Spiller, uh, that is the concept of flesh rather than the concept of body. Uh, could you tell? Could you explain to us what this is about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the concept of the flesh is um, Spiller's. She writes this in, a, in an essay from 1987, "Mama's Baby, Papa's Maybe," um, and she talks about the um, the middle passage and the ensuing racial slavery in the um, aftermath as uh, taking away the bodies of the people that were captured and brought over the um, ocean 
and um, instead that they're constituted as flesh. And in relationship to that, she also talks about there being um, an ungendering, right, which doesn't mean that black people in the new world, um, quote unquote, don't have any gender, but that they don't conform to hegemonic notions of what masculinity and, um, um, and, 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 and femininity is. And what was also really interesting to me about the flesh, right, and again, habeas corpus and then habeas viscous, that's to have the flesh, was that the flesh provided a specifically racialized and gendered and sexualized um, concept, but that also so much of it was about how that category was lived, right? The kind of messiness about it. Um, and, and also what Spillers really um, contributes is to look at how the flesh, right, um, is then not only something that is created in that particular moment, as with the Muslim in, um, um, in the camps, but that it's something that is then um, transmitted through the generations, right? To put it in really, really simple terms, the way that Spillers thinks about the flesh is how, a, how do black people become black through slavery, right, in, in, the, um, um, in, in, in the Americas, and then how is that categorization sustained over 500 years or 600 years at this point in, um, um, in time? And that's where the notion of the flesh comes in. She calls it the hieroglyphics of the flesh, right? That there's sort of these markings that are illegible, but nevertheless have these um, very, very far-reaching consequences that we tend to think of as racial categories or identities. Mm-hmm. And... And I suppose one of the main difference to distinguish between uh, uh, those two historical era of the Holocaust and the slavery is that the Holocaust was an industrialization of of um, of death as such, whereas slavery was an industrialization of uh, anatomies and, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and workforce, but not not at all in in a way where. Uh, uh, each body would therefore needs to be maintained in a in a in an optimal uh, workforce or anything, but, but more the mass of bodies mm-hmm. was considered as a work as a potential mm-hmm. for workforce that needed to be uh, industrially and administratively uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, worked on. So, so I mean, I when I when I see the when can I, I can I just I, yeah, I just want to I um, yeah um, I just want to say in, in terms of the workforce and labor. Uh, there's the what we tend to think of as work, right? Working the fields, working in the um, um, in the plantation. But I think one of the things that really oftentimes get um, um, gets lost is the kind of um, uh, you know, in in, in, in that um, um, essay, the kind of libidinal aspect yeah, yeah. of it, right? Well, and, and the libidinal, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, um, and, and 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 all these other you know effective um, ways. And I, I think we still see that. Um, we still see that today in um, that black bodies are very, very often needed if there's, you know, a crisis, right? Let's say we want to talk in the public about sports figures that um, are not heterosexual. It's usually 
black figures um, first, right? HIV, um, it's the same thing. Domestic violence, it's the same thing. So that there's this way that um, black people, um, as an idea and a mass and as actual living beings, sort of have to, um, are put in the place of um, laboring in so many, um, um, mm-hmm. in, in, in so many different ways. And, and one of those ways is, is the, the, the libidinal aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And, and I suppose that's where the, the concept of flesh really uh, carries this yeah. uh, complexity of yeah. meaning. Yeah, and, and also with, you know, the sustenance food, right, the fleshiness, mm-hmm. you know, the actual... <laughs> Embodiedness um, 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 of 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 these um, um, of, of these um, um, figures. So, mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Uh, well, there won't be much of a transition here, and I apologize that, that uh, if someone wants to trace the curve of this uh, conversation, there's going to be a, a, a sort of a rupture here. Uh, but uh, I really wanted uh, to hear you um, uh, maybe for the last ten minutes of the conversation. About um, about your writings about uh, 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 technology and, and music and and how this relates to this uh, uh, African American uh, studies that, uh, and research that you you've been working on these last years. Mm-hmm. Uh, could could you could you <laughs> introduce us to this? Yeah, work? yeah, yeah. And I, I you know for me for me there there is actually. Um, a clear conceptual co- connection because I, yeah. I mean one of the things that I've tried to do in, in all of my work is trying to try to understand really how um, the sort of abstract notion of blackness operates right um, whether that's in relationship to the kind of discourses um, of the human um, in a more theoretical register in that project or in relationship to black music and, um, um, and, 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 and technology so I mean Basically, the idea there, um, 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 there, there being that one of the main ways in which the um, notion of the human has been defined is as being distinct from the technological, but on the other hand, also in control, right? Um, and um, one of the things that I found um, when I first started thinking about these um, questions in the mid to late 19, um, 1990s, this was sort of the moment when um, a lot of people were talking about the digital divide, right? And um, this basically designated that this was the early days of the internet that um, populations of color, um, especially black people, didn't have the same kind of access to the internet and to technology as um, 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 as, 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 as a, uh, other groups, um, financially, um, structurally, but also culturally, right? So my approach to the question of um, black music was really through, um, um, through the conduit of the technological, right? To really think about how different technologies from the phonograph to um, the auto-tune software had been used in um, black popular music, not necessarily to show um, that the digital divide was untrue, but again to tell a different, more complicated story about the relationship between black culture and technology. And, And there, as with the category of the human, what you find is oftentimes only certain things count as technological, Mm. right? Um, So that, let's say, um, the grand piano, perhaps not quite thought of as a technology, but mastering it, quote-unquote, 
is thought of as an accomplishment, right? Um, whereas, um, you know, the pianos that uh, ragtime musicians um, used, right, that they really transformed were not thought of as, as um, 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 technologies, right? And, and in the project that I'm working on now, I'm, one of the things that I'm really trying to um, take um, very seriously is how the black singing voice functions as a very... Um, or as a series of particular um, 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 particular technologies of um, inhabiting and um, imagining um, how it means to um, um, how, what it is to be human um, um, to, to be human um, 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 differently. So I mean, I, I look at in in the um, in, in phonographies, I look at um, 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 several different instances, um, you know, DJing. Um, but also literary texts, film, and then um, a few, um, con- um, look, I'm, I'm not sure they're quite contemporary anymore, but back then contemporary um, hip-hop groups, especially ones that were not necessarily or at least primarily from the United States, right, to really think about how um, the current moment of globalization, right, since there have been um, several, um, um, se- several others, um, what that has done to black music, and vice versa, right? So that one of the ways to um, 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 to think about the export, especially of um, U.S. popular music, is that it has primarily been black popular music or de- der- derivations of it, and, um, um, and 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 to sort of provide a history of that as um, 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 as well. So for me, again, it's about this question of how what's the relationship between blackness and the human, and technology is is is, is one of those ways. Whether this is the internet. Um, it's the um, um, it's the player piano, or it's the um, 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 the record player, or the um, um, the um, 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 the Walkman um, is one way to approach that um, 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 to to approach that um, question. And and it's also it's not so much about the music, but it's also about the sound, mm-hmm. right? And historically speaking, one of the reasons, um, and it's not the only reason, that sound has taken on such a great um, importance in, um, um, in, 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 in black culture in, in the United States, but also in other parts of, of, of the Americas, is because um, <clears throat> the financial barriers are low, right? But it's also the way that, for instance, um, writing and different writing cultures, right? That um, slaves, that um, um, black people that were taken from, from literate cultures, right? Were dissuaded, punished for um, writing, right? And, um, um, and, and, um, um, and, and, and reading, which doesn't mean, you know, that there's this complete opposition, but it's something more fraught, where sound is a space where uh, black culture has really, um, um, in some ways, has been allowed to excel. And because of that, initially, it's been taken up in so many different um, um, ways. But I also don't want to be in the, in the kind of um, in, in that camp that says that's the only thing, right? But I, f- I think you find a lot of extensive histories of engagements with technology, of imagining um, 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 of humanity um, there, in a way, for instance, that you don't quite um, find in film because the bar- the structural and financial barriers are just so much um, 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 so, so much so much um, um, greater. Than, um, um, th- than it is to produce and at this point also disseminate um, 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 music, right? That you can be, I don't know, um, a musician who comes from um, a rural area, but you can put together a beat um, and flow over um, 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 that beat 
and record it on your um, cheap laptop computer or even on your iPhone, right, um, to a certain extent, and, um, um, and, 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 and then be able to um, distribute that globally almost instantaneously, right? Um, so those are some of the things that, um, um, that, that, um, that, that, that have um, interested um, me. Okay. All right. Well, Alexander, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today, and uh, we'll be looking forward to this uh, to this new book of yours that will come out when in the next couple of weeks. In the next couple of weeks, so it's, it's a very very near future. This podcast will come out in the next couple of weeks as well. Okay. So okay. <laughs> that will be very contemporary. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you. Mm -hmm.